It's a June 26 edition of PFTPM, week two of the PFT Live hiatus. And this is sort of the low watermark of the NFL news cycle at any point in the year. This week and into next week, ideally for NFL teams, there won't be much happening because if there is anything happening, it's usually nothing very good. For example, the Tyreek Hill story from last week, which is still percolating and gurgling, the remnants of the Stephon Diggs situation, that's still out there. And we're tracking everything for updates on existing stories and new information that may fall out of the sky at some point over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to training camp and we await what will be the full-on return of the National Football League for the 2023 season. You might have noticed, and thank you if you have, that means you've been there today. We have a new and improved PFT. Now, new and improved is in the eye of the beholder. I will admit that many of you will come to the new site and immediately say, I hate it, I hate you, change it back and change it now. To those of you who might be inclined to react that way, I would just caution a bit of patience. Give it a chance. Give it some time. You'll get used to it. And I don't mean that like you'll get used to taking medicine or you get used to something that you don't like. You'll actually get used to it. It will grow on you and you will like it. It took me a while to get used to it. I'm used to the way things were. I was accustomed to the way things had been. We tried some eight years ago to make a change and I hated it. And we immediately, or as close to immediately as possible, flipped back to the old one. But, but last week, as I was going through the final stages of coming to grips with the fact that things were going to change and it was going to look dramatically different at first, I had a side-by-side of the new site and the old site. New site, old site. And it dawned on me, shit, this new site looks a lot better. So give it time. It will be more functional, especially on mobile devices. And you will get used to it. And it will function better on the front end, on the back end. It's easier for us to manage it, it'll be easier for you to navigate it. And just remember this, the rumor mill is where you want to go. That's where you get the experience of one story after another, after another, after another, after another, and then you can load more and it keeps going and going and they load faster than they used to. That's where everybody wants to go. That's the place to be. Just get to the rumor mill and it will be as much like the old experience as possible. And it will look the same, same font, photos, videos. It's basically the same. It just looks different, especially the front page. You will get used to it. I I am confident that you will get used to it. And if the complaints I've received so far this morning are any indication, it's nothing like the last time. Last time we made the change, it was an avalanche of we hate this and change it back now. This time, there are a handful of people who are very passionate about their dislike for the new site, but not nearly as many as I thought or feared. Now, I may have just jinxed myself, and when we finish today, I may have a thousand emails saying, change it back, you butthole, or something stronger than that. We'll see. I I continue, though, to... and, And look, this is my livelihood. This is the core of what I do. 
I want it to look good. I want it to be something of which I am proud that I would present to you as a place where you should spend your free time and you don't have much of it, as evidenced by the fact that most of you visit us while you're at work. But, but I, I, I'm not doing this for some nefarious reason. It's to make things better. It's to make things more functional. It's to improve the experience overall. And you need to go through the process of changing before you can even begin to realize that new could indeed be improved. You may not believe it right away, but in time you will. One area where I expect to get plenty of feedback from a very loud minority that used to have a platform at PFT, but no longer does. The First Amendment does not apply here, folks. We had for years allowed folks to post comments and some of the stuff that made it past the moderators was shocking. You should see the stuff that didn't. It has been a cesspool for years. And it's a very, very, very small, very small, a fragment of a sliver of a fingernail of the total audience. It's hardly that many people in the grand scheme of things that see fit to jump in and comment. And the comments at times are hateful at times are inappropriate. What was it really adding to the experience? Now, those folks may say, well, it added a lot for us because it was a place where we could go and we could go spew whatever we felt like saying and we could argue back and forth. There are plenty of other places where you can react to our content. You can go to Twitter. If you, if you see a story of ours you don't like on Twitter, you can say whatever you want in response. There, there are other places you can make your voice heard. We've decided that at this point in the overall life of the business, it no longer made sense to provide that platform, especially because it was being co-opted by people who didn't deserve it. And I'm sorry, if you're upset about that, if you're one of those very few who were very loud, I'm sorry. You had your time. You may have enjoyed it, but now it's over. We're taking control of the platform again. It's our space. If you want to create a a, a portal on the web where you can spew whatever you want to spew unchecked by anyone, feel free. They still sell domain names. You can still get a sub stack or whatever the hell people use now so they can post their views. PFT is ours. And we we basically, we hear that phrase all the time. We've taken back our country. We've taken back our website, literally. It's ours. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, you'll get used to it. And if you don't, well, I don't know how many other websites out there currently let you just log on and say whatever you want to say. But there are other platforms for doing it if you so choose. We've decided for a variety of reasons the time for that had ended. We actually made that decision three years ago and almost implemented it then. But the season got started and things died down and we waited and never really had the occasion to come back to it. This time we did as part of the redesign and we made the strate strategic, excuse me, decision that the time had come to end the comments section. It's been a good run. It's spawned PFT commenter, so it can't be all bad, but it was bad enough that it was time to go. All right, let's move on. Couple of things coming out of the weekend. Not a whole lot of news, but we're here to monitor everything. I feel like a fireman this time of year where I'm just sitting around waiting for the alarm to go off. But, but there is an alarm that's been going off for the NFL for a while now. They're just ignoring it. And it relates to the quality of officiating. Now, it's well established the NFL is cheap. 
and the NFL is stubborn. When it comes to officiating, the NFL never will want to pay what it takes to have full-time officials, and they'll come up with excuses. Well, they're still not going to be perfect. No, but they might be better. And if you have these people as their full-time employment, and they're not distracted by anything else, and they're devoting their entire professional attention to being the best they can be, and you come up with a full and robust off-season routine where they they get themselves in great shape and they're doing simulations and they're taking tests and they're watching film and they're getting together and they're understanding why decisions were made in the past and how those decisions can become harmonized and homogenized and consistent in the future. There's so many different ways that the NFL could provide a better officiating function than having folks who spend the entire offseason, or at least the vast majority of it, working other jobs and Half the time, maybe more in season, working other jobs. And see, the NFL doesn't simply want to pay what it would take to have full-time employees as officials. They also have to offer enough that it persuades the folks who have very gainful alternative employment to give that up. They just don't want to do it. Well, that's the more complicated fix. The easier fix is to once and for all embrace the sky judge concept fully and completely. They're getting there. It's baby steps. They're getting there slowly. They're getting there gradually, but look at what happened on Saturday night in the USFL playoff game between the Pittsburgh Maulers and the Michigan Panthers. There was a 55 yard touchdown pass that put the Panthers ahead with just over two minutes to play. There was a flag. However, the right tackle for the Panthers had been called for a face mask foul. Well, Mike Pereira, who's in charge of the real-time Sky Judge officiating function, looked at it and saw there was no face mask. There was no face mask. The flag was picked up, the touchdown was restored, and the integrity of the outcome of the game and any wagers on the game was preserved. Now, look, Michigan still lost, but at least they lost because of the efforts that unfolded on the field. They didn't lose because of that call. They didn't lose because that touchdown came off the board and they were pushed back 15 yards and the drive fizzled out and the Maulers ran out the clock and that was the outcome. The game went to overtime. Michigan tied it up on a last second field goal and the Maulers won in the extra session that they use where they basically do a two-point conversion shootout. So more exciting outcome and a more fair result, all because the USFL fully embraces the sky judge concept. Now they don't go quite as far as they could. And there are some guardrails. For example, it looked like maybe there was holding instead of a grabbing of the face mask. It was a grabbing of the, the flap of the shoulder pad under the Jersey by the right tackle, but holding calls and non-calls aren't part of what Pereira has jurisdiction over. I reached out to him via text and he explained that to me. And also the USFL requires more for holding it can't just be hand on player and grab you have to see some spinning you have to see some restriction this is just the guys in his pass block set and he's got a grip on that's not holding unless he's he's maneuvering him he's spinning him he's clearly controlling him so it was the right outcome and the bottom line is they called face mask and it wasn't that's something that the nfl does not have in place even with a full-blown replay review That wouldn't have been part of the normal review of a play that occurs after a touchdown. Scoring play, nullified by a penalty. I'm not even sure where that would fall under the NFL's automatic replay review function, but that penalty, face mask calls and non-calls are never subject to replay review. 
Why shouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be? Why can't they be? I know the NFL has been very reluctant, and it's been a 20-year process where it's a little change here and it's a little change there. And usually the change happens because there's some sort of real-world application of the rule that makes us all say, well, that's no good. That needs to change. And then they change it. If a play like that had happened, for example, in a Super Bowl or a high-stakes playoff game where a phantom face mask foul had wiped out a potential go-ahead touchdown with two minutes and four seconds left, the rule would be changed in the next cycle to allow face mask fouls to be part of what is reviewed and not reviewed because it is clear. It's it's no longer the two levels of grab the face mask and if you don't pull, it's five yards, but if you do pull, it's 15. You grab that face mask, it's 15 yards. It's as clear and obvious as it can be when it happens. We see it, we know it, and it should be part of what the replay function is looking for, and it should be part of what the sky judge, the ability to fix things without a full-blown review. I've been an advocate of that for years now. And I think the concern is that they'll screw it up. That look at what we did with pass interference back in 2019. Look how we screwed that up. Do you really want us to do it again? We've proven we're not competent. We've proven we're not able. We've proven that we don't know how to properly craft and apply standards. So why do you expect us to do it? Don't, don't you see how bad we are at this? Why are you pushing us to make more changes? That's the attitude. And this whole thing with unintended consequences. Well, look, everybody involved with the National Football League is being paid more than enough money to allow the rest of us to expect that they will anticipate the consequences and plan for them. They're not unintended. They're not a surprise. You get a bunch of smart, highly compensated people in a room and they can figure it out or they should be able to. And if they can't, maybe you need to be spending that money on different people who should be the ones responsible for the game. And, and that's why I care about this. I'm a stakeholder in the game. I don't want controversy. I don't want things to happen that will turn fans off to the game. I want to attract more people to the game. When you have unfair outcomes, when you have rules that, that keep a fair outcome, may the best team win, except when impeded by a bad call that can't be fixed. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. There are too many things that football players and football coaches can't control. It's time for the NFL to get full control over as many of those things as possible. Look, can't control the weather, can't control the gust of wind, can't control the bounce of the ball. That's part of the fun. But you can control. You can control a bad call. You can fix a bad call. Well, we have to accept human error. That's a cop-out. That's baloney. Human error can be fixed. A mistake can be fixed. If if there's a mistake made in the manufacture of my car, and I've got three open recalls I need to take my car over to the shop to get fixed, that's what they do. They don't just say, well, well, tough crap. We made human error. Deal with it. They call for you to bring the car back in, and they fix it. They can fix this. They can fix a lot of these calls, and we should all demand better from Big Shield. Look, this goes back to the 70s, man. They indoctrinated me with NFL films and John Facenda in slow motion, snowflakes and spirals. I put the NFL on a pedestal and I demand that everyone associated with it live up to that pedestal that it's been on for me for 50 years. And I've been half that time in position to peek behind the shield and realize 
there's some work to do to get things to where they need to be. And the first challenge is to get the league to acknowledge that change is necessary. It's hard to get them to do it. It's hard to get them to do it. And, you know, from time to time, I'll issue a, a plea directly to the commissioner. I mean, he's getting toward the end of the road. I can understand human nature might cause him to say, we'll let the next person deal with this. There are some things out there that could bite the NFL in the butt, either during or not long after Roger Goodell's tenure ends. I think it should be a major priority for the NFL across the board to be identifying any and all potential threats and neutralizing them in the right way, in the proper way. No unintended consequences. Every intended and other thing. Haven't written about this yet on PFT, but I plan to. And you'll see this video as part of it when I do. So hello, welcome. There was an issue that came up during the NBA draft. Shams Charania, one of the top NBA insiders, had a report on what the Charlotte Hornets plan to do with the second overall pick. It and through Stadium, I believe it is, there's a FanDuel sponsorship. So there's this gambling connection. He makes a report that moves the markets. A lot of people bet on the guy that Sham said was going to be the second overall pick. That guy wasn't the pick. So FanDuel makes some money in the process. And some folks see that and understandably say, that's a dangerous space for everyone involved. And look, I don't know enough about the NBA. I don't know enough about Shams. I don't know enough about Vandal's relationship with him to even begin to suggest there was anything untoward. But the circumstance invites people to say, this looks a little fishy. It's the circumstance that's the problem. And this is where the NFL needs to be concerned. Why? Because the NFL directly employs reporters directly employs the very people who would be inclined to tweet or to say on TV on the very network the NFL owns and operates that the team that holds the second overall pick is contemplating doing something that no one expects, is contemplating going in a different direction, is contemplating picking this guy instead of the guy we think they're going to pick. Just think if, if on the day of the draft, Ian Rappaport was on NFL Network saying that he's hearing the Panthers have had a last-minute change of heart and might take Anthony Richardson instead of Bryce Young. That would have affected the betting market. People would have relied on that. They would have hedged. They would have put money on Richardson to be the first overall pick, and then it doesn't happen, and all those people that bet on Richardson to be the first overall pick lose their money to the sports book that sponsors the NFL, whichever one it currently is. Last year or the year before, there were seven of them. So that's a concern because inside information as it relates to all aspects of the NFL should be the NFL's concern. And when you're talking about, look, it's one thing to say we're concerned that there will be information about who's really injured, who's not injured, what the plays are going to be, who's going to be featured in this game. That, that is a real concern. That is a real concern. But that's still a step removed from the game itself. The game still plays out the way the game plays out. Whatever inside information you may or may not have about the planning going in, the game is still the game. For something like this, the information is the game. There is no other game. What do the Panthers plan to do? That's all that matters. That's it. There's no variable. 
There's nothing else that happens other than the Panthers communicate their pick to the NFL. So if you've got somebody who is on the NFL payroll, a league that is sponsored by these sports books, who's putting out information about a potential change in someone's plans that causes the betting markets to move and eventually causes a bunch of consumers to lose money because they relied upon that reporting, that's a problem. And this is just one of the other various ways that there needs to be people working for the league who are thinking of these issues creatively, brainstorming these potential problems, looking at anything out there that could cause them to say, hey, maybe we should be concerned about that. I mean, that's why I'm talking about it. I saw what happened with the NBA. And look, it's the NBA's business. It's Sham's business. It's FanDuel's business. I don't care about how it gets worked out. I care about how it could play out for the NFL as a stakeholder in the NFL. So if I care about it, the league should care about it. If I'm trying to think of solutions to it, the league should be trying to think of solutions to it because we all have a vested interest in avoiding the kind of scandal that will truly undermine public confidence in and the integrity of the sport of professional football. That's the phrase that gets thrown around all the time by the commissioner when he decides to throw the book at somebody. That is the phrase that keeps the people under the big top of big shield. If you don't have public confidence in the game, if there is no integrity of the game, why is anyone paying attention to it? So it's something else the league needs to be concerned about. There's a lot of stuff the league needs to be concerned about. There's there's lists and sublists and topics and subtopics. But when you jump in bed with sports books, when you take their millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, you acquire an obligation to spend some of that money toward identifying problems and solving them before they become problems. That's a point I've been making. And we see this time and again. Whether it's, I talked about the face mask fouls not being subject to replay review earlier. Whenever there is a controversial outcome of a game, a playoff game or a Super Bowl, because of a phantom face mask call that couldn't be rectified, the league's attitude will be, well, we probably should do something about that. The point is, you know the possibility is out there. Do something about it before the shit hits the fan. That's all I'm saying. There isn't that willingness. And this is a hallmark of the NFL. There isn't the willingness to be proactive. It's all reactive. And when the reaction to a horrible call, like the pass interference in the Saints-Rams 2018 NFC Championship, results in a change that ends up being a major disaster, it, it, it makes the league more inclined to not even bother to be proactive. We're, we're not even confident we can come up with solutions to the things that we clearly see we need to solve. Please don't expect us to come up with solutions to problems that don't exist yet. But that's where the commitment needs to come from because all it takes is one really big problem to really hurt the NFL in ways that could take years to reverse, if ever. Tim Donahue, that's not the only type of scandal the NFL could have. And I feel like it's become my mission and my purpose in large part because I feel like they're ignoring me and dismissing me and just choosing to look the other way. I want to get the NFL's attention any way I can about the things that could happen if they don't take these things more seriously. All right, let's answer some questions. PFTPM Posse. Will NIL money or anything else ever make the players willing to use the nuclear option when it comes to the CBA and or striking? No, no. Look, the ultimate nuclear option for players is to strike. And then when the league brings in replacement players, the players set up their own games. 
and televise their own games with the real NFL players. That's going to take a lot of money, and it's also going to take commitments from potential broadcast partners who would know going in that they're going to forever piss off the NFL if they do this. It's too much to do, but that's the only way to have true equal footing. If the league will, upon the strike by players, say, we're just going to go out and hire replacements and move forward and play the games without the players, that's the true mirror image for the players. We're going to go stage our own games. That's the true nuclear option. They won't do that. Now, that would be a way for them to generate revenue because the only other nuclear option is strike and don't get paid. And players don't want to do that. We saw that in 1987. I'm surprised the strike of 1982 held together as long as it did. Football players want to play football and they want to be paid to play football. And they're generally not inclined to give up anything that they have now to advance some vague interest as it relates to future players. They're concerned about themselves and their careers are short. They're not going to give up a full year, sit out a whole year. And then next year, oh, we got a whole new crop of, of rookies. They make the team instead of you. You sat out all last year. These guys played college football last year. They're ready to go. You were sitting on your ass as part of a strike. All the more reason to skew toward the guys who played last year. Sends a message to future players about not striking. And the message from 1987 has resonated for 36 years. So I don't think it ever happens. And that's why, you know, there was so much criticism of the NFLPA after the 2011 CBA. Oh, it should have been better. Should have gotten this. Should have gotten that. When you've got a union membership that refuses to miss a paycheck, that refuses to miss a game, how do you ever get the best possible deal? I mean, really, if the NFL wanted to be completely nefarious instead of just partially nefarious, the, and I'm, I'm kidding, sort of, the NFL could push even harder because at the end of the day, the union is going to give in. The union is not going to give up a year of football because the players aren't going to give up a year of football. The players, the players aren't connected. They're not invested. They're not knowledgeable. They don't want to be. That's just the way it is. I wrote something over the weekend about players not having information about the candidates for the NFLPA executive director job. One of the reasons they don't have it is they don't want it. See, the union and whoever is pulling the strings, whoever's running this show and doing it in a way where everything's an extreme secret and nobody knows who the candidates are, they benefit from the fact that the players just don't care. The players generally, generally don't care. Players didn't know Demora Smith is the guy who's currently the executive director. They don't know what the executive director does. I'd have been the same way. Early 20s, I'm worried about being in my early 20s and having my body ready to play football and, and enjoying my life, enjoying the fruits of my labor when I do have some free time. Those are high-end issues that most guys in their early 20s just aren't even going to be equipped to think about. And I would have been that way. I can understand it. But that's why the nuclear option, I don't see it ever happening. The only way it would ever happen is the NFL would have to overreach so far at the bargaining table and have such a great deal as it relates to what the players' rights are that it's just undeniable that we cannot let this stand. And I think that's one of the reasons why the NFL doesn't push it even farther, because they know that everyone has their limits. And even though they could push it farther, they really would prefer not to get to the point where the players would flat out strike. And they probably would prefer at some level to not have such a favorable deal that it's obvious to everyone that they're getting the better of that relationship. And that, that's why I've been concerned about 
the executive director position. There needs to be a healthy tension between league and union. You can't let it get too far out of whack. There needs to be coexistence, but there needs to be conflict and it needs to be a fairly even playing field. And that's the way to have long-term harmony and to not have to cover lockouts or strikes. I have covered one and that's my lifetime limit. I hope there isn't another one anytime soon, but I also hope that the players are fairly taken care of within all that the players are the game. And it, it would be nice if they, if they were more engaged and more invested in their union and more willing to take a stand, but put yourself in their shoes. You got a limited slice of your life where you can make that kind of money. You're going to give up a full year of it to help somebody else down the road. I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't at that age. Doubt that I would at this age. Why am I going to stand down and not make the money that I'm entitled to to help somebody else that I don't even know and never will know? And that will never even be truly grateful for the sacrifice I made by sitting out a full season. Oh, PFTPM Posse. See, you're answering your own question, PFTPM Posse. You're chasing your tail. I don't like it. I'll get used to it. And when I get used to it, I'll like it. That's my point. That's my point. Give it time. Be patient. You will get used to it. And you'll realize once you click on the rumor mill, whether you're on desktop, tablet, or cell phone device, you'll scroll and you'll realize it looks the same. Look, I made sure it was the same font. They were going to change the font. I said, no, 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 no. We got to have the same font. We can't have this complete change to a different font. We're going to change the look of the site. As much as possible needs to be constant and consistent and same. The font's the same. You've got the video boxes where you can see the clips of me, you know, babbling on on PFTPM or Sims and me when we get back together again for PFT Live in a few weeks or whatever else we put in there. It, it really gives us a lot more flexibility. But at the end of the day, it will be very similar once you get used to it. And once you get used to it, you will like it. And you might not like it until you get used to it. But when you get used to it, you will like it, PFTPM Bossy. Now, another question on the same topic. What made you decide to change the format layout of PFT? Also, it says new and improved. What has been improved? What improvements should we be looking for and or trying out specifically? This is a 100% legitimate question. It's more improved from the standpoint of functionality. It's improved from the standpoint of, and, and I'll give you one. I'll give you one. The team's pages are going to be dramatically improved. When you click on the team's page, let's say you're a Cowboys fan. I think PFTPM Posse is a Cowboys fan. When you click on that, you're basically going to have a rumor mill experience simply devoted to the Cowboys. It's going to be all the stories that we have decided should fit on that page. Instead of just what you've seen in the past, it was almost like an RSS feed. It was just headlines and you'd have to click them. When you go to the Cowboys page, you're going to have a rumor mill experience just like the main rumor mill. Same for all the other pages. And it's going to be that way for players too. There's going to be player pages where in addition to stats and other information about the player, every story about the player. Let's say you're a big Jalen Hurts fan. You go to the Jalen Hurts page. Boom, you're going to get all the Jalen Hurts stories. If you're doing some research on something, if you're curious about history of stories involving Antonio Brown, Boom, Antonio Brown. There they all are. Now, look, th this is moving forward. We're not going to go back and reprogram everything we've done for the past 14 years at NBC, but it's going to lead to a much more robust experience and a more user-controllable adventure. 
where it's not just the rumor mill teams, players. That's, that's one of the big changes that I think a lot of people will ultimately enjoy once they get used to it. And, and I need to get used to it too. I need to learn more about, it. you know, for me, we had a meeting back in May. We've had some conference calls, but not many. I just need to jump in and swim or not. And so I'm, I'm kind of in the same shoes as the rest of you. There's still a lot of it I'm learning. I took a leap of faith because I trust and respect the people at NBC who are working on this and they're trying to make it better for everyone. And I'm confident that as I get accustomed to it, if there's something I'd like to see changed, they'll listen to me and they'll change it. If there's an idea I have to improve something, I'll suggest it and we'll work together to improve it. So it's a very fluid process and we're going to keep working on improving it constantly. Somebody told me years ago, that a website is always in beta. It's always in beta because you're always looking for ways to tweak it a little bit and make it a little bit better. And it's never a fully finished site. And if it ever is a fully finished site, that's when it's time to start thinking about how you can make it even better. It's never completely done. Matt and St. Pete. The franchise tag number for running backs continues to decrease year over year. Uh, what do you believe is the most prevalent reason for the declining market value, durability, supply versus demand? Also, is there any shred of evidence that teams are colluding to keep values low? There's no evidence that they're colluding to keep values low. I just think it is supply versus demand. It's the fact that injuries are incredibly common for running backs and teams are reluctant to create superstar running backs. I think it really started back post Sean Alexander, when he got his big contract after his MVP season of 2005. And after one year, the Seahawks ripped it up. You know, that was about the time that Sean Payton decided, even though I've got Reggie Bush as the second overall pick, I'm still going to lean heavily on Deuce McAllister. And then they worked in Pierre Thomas eventually. And if you don't have one guy who is your main guy at running back, you never have to pay any one of them a ton of money. You're never in a position where one guy has a lot of power over you. Now, there's something to be said for having a workhorse running back, the guy who wears down defenses in the fourth quarter, and the, they just can't take it anymore. Guys like that are rare, though. And I think teams would rather have interchangeable parts because it keeps them from ever having to pay a ton of money. They end up having to pay a decent amount of money. But think about the guys who are the highest paid running backs. They've all evolved into that workhorse role. Alvin Kamara has always had someone else, but he's still got a high-end contract. For the most part, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, those three along with Kamara got big contracts a couple of years ago, and Cook's has already been torn up, and Mixon's might be if he doesn't take less, and Derrick Henry was looking for a trade partner earlier this year because uh, I think he wants an extension worth more than what the Titans want to give him, and that effort to find a new team via trade may have resulted in an acknowledgement and an awakening by Henry to the fact that there's no one else out there that's going to make that kind of investment in you at this stage of your career. But that's the reality. And look, the franchise tag calculation is more complicated than it used to be. I was trying to explain it the other day. It used to be the five highest cap numbers at the position in the prior year, the average of those five highest cap numbers. Now what it is, is it's the percentage of the salary cap consumed by the average of the five highest cap numbers at the position on a five-year average rolling. So it smooths it out more. It gives you a better indication of how much of the cap the highest paid players at the position consume. The problem is with running back, how many of them are really making a ton of money? And all it takes is one guy or two that fall well below the other three in the top five to drive that number down. 
And that's what we've seen. The number has gone down 10.1 million this year. So you get a superstar like Saquon Barkley, who really should have a higher franchise tag number. I mean, there are a bunch of different ways the running back position can be addressed if the league and the union are willing to do to do it. I just haven't seen or heard anything to suggest to me that that they are. Dilip Rao, is it possible that his valuations for teams keep rising and fewer billionaires are either interested or capable of poning up the massive price tags? The NFL will begin to accept corporate ownership. I, I think that it's potentially coming. I think they'll move there more slowly. I saw at one of the league meetings this year, there was an effort made to at least have a discussion about the possibility of private equity funds being part of an investment group, not necessarily owning a team. The, the league has been very clear in its desire that there always be one person who speaks for the team, one person who holds the vote. And there's actually a rule that requires every owner to have in place a plan for who takes over as the one person if that one person dies or becomes incapacitated. Every year they have to update that. Who's your one person? Who's the one that takes over if you can't keep doing it? Now, they have corporate ownership in Green Bay, and it's not an issue. It's Mark Murphy. I don't know who the next one is if it's no longer Mark Murphy. And if you had the CEO of a company, that's the person who makes the decisions. That's the person who casts the vote. So it could be done. It could be done. It's just something the NFL has never embraced. The NFL's model all along has been individual ownership. But the time is coming where there will not be enough people with enough money to plunk down the 30% in cash or more to buy a team. And, and the other side of it is this. And I, 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 this is one of those spots where I choose my words carefully, but I've made this point before. There's no test to be an NFL owner. There's no, there's no intelligence test as it relates to football. There's no competence test as it relates to business. There's no social test as to whether or not they're going to get along with their partners. The only thing that matters is, do you have the money to buy the team? That's it. Unless the person is a complete and total jerk, it's going to be the highest bidder that buys the team. And I don't know, at some point, you're sacrificing other factors that I think are far more important to the membership. Because if you get to the point where and I don't want to name names. I mean, we know who has the most money out there, but let's say there's someone out there who has a ridiculous amount of money and has more than enough to just show up and sign a check for 100 cents on the dollar for an NFL team. But what if that person is a complete and total asshole that you don't want to do business with, that is going to bring down the business, that is going to be a negative presence? What do you do? Well, he's the only one that's got the money. I mean, look, they got to the point where they couldn't wait to get rid of Daniel Snyder. What if there's another Daniel Snyder and they know or should know on the way in that this guy is going to be a pain in their ass for years to come, but he's the only one that's got the money. He's the only one that can pay the 30%. He's the only one that's interested. That's when they have to consider changing their, their business model and what is and isn't allowed by way of private equity funds, other organizations, corporate ownership. I mean, wouldn't that be something? If you could take the Patriots and have an initial public offering and just buy stock, real stock, not phony fake stock, real stock in the Patriots that appreciates in value, that rises and falls, that you can buy and sell, 
in a real business. And I wonder how much the fake phony Packers stock is an impediment for the NFL allowing other teams to create their own unique corporate structure where you would sell real stock that would have real value that could result in a real profit for you if you actually own it. I think these are all things that will be coming. Hopefully I'll live long enough to see it happen because I feel like it's in that 10 to 20 year frame and I'm doing the math. I hope I make it. We'll find out. Stay tuned to find out whether I drop dead at some point between the next 10 and 20 years when the NFL is in the process of altering its overall ownership structure. Everett M., do you have any plans to get some guests lined up for future PFTPMs while on hiatus? Hey, hey, Everett, isn't it, isn't it enough that it's me? Who, who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you want me to get? Everett and anyone else, start suggesting via Twitter, because you can't do it on the comments anymore. Oops. Start, <laughs> oops. <laughs> start suggesting via Twitter your ideas for potential guests, and we will take it under advisement. But, I mean, this is... Yeah, we could get, like, I would want somebody that would be less of an interview and more of a conversation, like Paul Allen. Like, I could try to get Paul Allen, and we could have a conversation. I could try that. L let me know your ideas, Everett or anyone else, via Twitter, because that's the only way you can do it. Fringetastic, what's up with the website changes? I don't see comments. Are they gone? Please make a post about it. Yes, they are gone. If you've been listening to the program, Fringetastic, the comments are gone. Long live the comments. Uh, use Twitter or other platforms as you did. You use Twitter. See, see, it's easy. You use Twitter to complain about the absence of comments. Use Twitter to complain about anything you'd like to complain about, about me, about our content, about anything that you otherwise would have put in the comments. Brock Bollinger, what's the updated situation with Hard Knocks and is there any timeline on a decision? I don't know of a timeline, but I will tell you this. And this is news. This is news. I should probably write a post about it at the new and improved PFT. The Jets are very concerned that they're going to get the tap, that they're going to get the call, that they're going to be told, we know you don't want to do it. Sorry, you're doing it. That's my current information. That's the best of my understanding. The Jets are bracing for the involuntary assignment to be the Hard Knocks team. They're clearly the best option of the four teams that could be forced to do it. But in the years the NFL has had this formula in place, that in theory allows them to force a team to do it. They've never forced a team to do it. I don't think they want to force a team to do it, but I think they're going to twist the Jets' arm. And I think it'll be awesome with Aaron Rodgers talking about psychedelics and ayahuasca and vaccine conspiracies and 9-11 trutherism. And I have a feeling any of that stuff would end up on the cutting room floor. I probably should end this here. There's some other questions. Let me just scroll through these and see if anything jumps out. <laughs> Tommy Caruso with players seemingly complaining more in recent years about turf. Do you foresee more stadiums making a change like how the bills announced their new stadium will contain natural grass? Well, the Titans are moving to turf even before they get into the new stadium. So I just, I don't, I don't think the owners care. The owners who want turf don't care. They just don't. If they cared, they'd already have grass. They're smart enough to know that the injury rates are different that you're protecting your investment. Even if you don't care about the players as people, you're protecting your investment in the players by providing them a surface that is less conducive to injury. They just don't care. They don't care. And they definitely don't seem to care about the fact that the players, even if they're not injured and able to keep playing and practicing, feel it more the day after playing on turf. 
They feel it more. And it makes sense. When the turf isn't absorbing the impact of your body and instead it's resonating back up into your ankles and knees and hips and bones and ligaments and cartilage and everything, you're going to feel that the next day. I remember when we were kids and we had access to a turf field and it was so cool and, oh, we're going to play on, oh, it's fun. Hey, it's fun. It's better than grass. It's what the NFL uses. And I couldn't get out of bed the next morning. I could, and, and I didn't get injured per se. I just couldn't get out of bed. Everything hurt, especially from the waist down. Every joint, every bone hurt because of the pounding and the fact that the forces weren't going into the ground. They were bouncing right back up into my body. So it's just, if it was ever going to change, it would have changed. And we need more pressure on the league and on the owners. And the union needs to be louder about it. Hopefully the new executive director will make this his or her primary cause. We just need to be louder and louder about it to get the owners to change. And we need to call out the ones who refuse to provide real grass for their teams. Mr. Palmerson, what will it take for the Chiefs to be remembered as a great NFL dynasty? Are they already at that point? Well, they've been to three Super Bowls and they've won two. That already sets them apart from most other teams. I mean, think about it. Other than the Patriots, let, let me do the rewind here. Patriots of the last 20 years won six. The Steelers won two. The Colts won one with Peyton Manning. The Broncos won one with Peyton Manning. The Eagles won their fluky Nick Foles Super Bowl. Who am I missing? The Seahawks won one. They should have won more than one. The Ravens won one in 2012. They had another one under completely different circumstances in 2000. The Packers won one. Just winning two is a big deal. Winning two is a big deal. And it's not easy. You got to thread some needles, some tight needles with some, some thick twine has to go through those those needles to get you to a Super Bowl and win it. But the Chiefs have done it twice. And I think the more they do it, if they can continue to have that desire, that drive, and that determination, the more they do it, the easier it's going to get. Because it's going to be like Tom Brady was. You're no longer freaked out by the moments. You, you develop a, a belief that it's a given. You're going to find a way to win. The more you come back from double-digit deficits in the second half of a Super Bowl, the more inevitable you feel it is. And also... It begins to trickle over to the opponent. The opponent starts to think, uh-oh, here it comes. And they get tight. You know, it's like when you're playing your big brother in ping pong and you have a lead and you start thinking about it. Like I'm not supposed to be leading and big brother has a habit of coming back and kicking my ass when I expect that he's not going to. That's when it happens. That creeps into the psyche of the opponent as well. All right. What else do we have? I should probably wrap it here. Need to get back to seeing, here, 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 look, why the redesign? You can't sort by team anymore. Yes, you can. This is from Coach V23. There is a team link, and it will be populated with stories specific to the team, not just links to stories, but stories specific to the team. So give it time. It will get better. You will like it. And and I, I just... For the same reason I have a vested interest in the NFL getting its act together when it comes to officiating, gambling, and whatnot, I've got an even more vested interest in making sure that your experience is a good one so you will keep coming back to PFT because that's all I have, folks. It's that or nothing. So I give you my personal money-back guarantee. You will eventually get used to the new site and you will realize at some point I actually prefer it. And if you had the ability at that point to look at the old site, 
and compare it to what you've gotten used to, you'd say, oh God, I don't want that. No, 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 no. Thank God. Thank God they changed that. I want this. I'm confident you'll get there sooner rather than later. Stick with us. Be patient. Thanks for some of your time. We'll do another edition of PFTPM on Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of your Monday.